Good morning, everyone. This morning, we're talking about getting into property and spotting the absolute bargain because it is confusing out there. There's properties out there that are selling for absolute premiums and there's properties out there that are just plain old bargains. And we're going to teach you this morning how to spot them and why this is happening. Stay tuned. Michael, this is your topic. This is your baby. Good morning. You're Good passionate morning. about this. I am. How I'm are very you? passionate about it. <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, bud. Good, good, good. Good weekend. Beautiful weather. Yes, can't complain. When it's sunny, we can't complain these days. <laughs> Big time. And hearts of uh, hearts go out to all the flood affected people in um, in New South Wales as well. It's, it doesn't look. Looks like it's tough times, weird weather. Very strange, very strange. Um, so today's topic, how to spot a bargain in top performing property. And it is something I was very interested to talk about today with you because obviously it's a very talked about subject with pretty much every single buyer or vendor we're speaking with at the moment. Um, and I just wanted to debunk some of the myths today and also sort of dig into it a little bit more so we can sort of understand in this market that pretty much every property doesn't perform the same and that there is sort of almost micro markets within each market and case by case uh, what happens with each individual property. There's some unicorns, there's some incredible ones. Now tell me um, when you're looking when we're looking at the market so let's use a cross-section of, of, of um, a couple of different suburbs. If people want to throw a suburb out, I'll, we'll, we'll entertain that as well. But let's yes. start off with DY as an example. Um, we're looking at DY, we're looking at capital growth, or we're looking at neg uh, We're looking at capital growth. At the moment, it's been negative, um, the capital growth in the last 12 months, but there's been 10 years of some real positive, and it's been different between houses and units, believe it or not. So let's have it. Let's, um, let's try to understand it. Yes, well, actually, there were some interesting statistics before that Mark sent across to me. So over the past 10 years, and this is an average, well, not an average, but how much properties have grown in total over the past 10 years, houses have gone up by 140% over the past 10 years, and how much have units gone up by? 90. 90. Mm. So there's big difference there, big difference. Yeah, it's actually pretty interesting because... Um it felt like the rise it did feel like the rise of the house was much more aggressive than the rise of the unit particularly of late um yes. so when you sort of when you break that down a little bit you start thinking hang on a sec what's you know why why is the market doing that but people definitely through covid favored the house more than they favored the unit uh, mm -hmm. if anything they probably tried to get out of the unit and tried to try to get into the house that was the, the most common move yes i agree I think that was what a lot of people were pushing for and that's what sort of pushed those, especially those entry-level house prices because I think individually they were the ones that moved the most over that period of time. Um, and it's interesting to see now in a market that's coming off, obviously looking at how much houses are coming off versus units, the quicker they go up, the quicker they come down as well. And obviously houses are now probably feeling it a bit more than even units in terms of that correction in pricing. 
So, um, actually, I wonder if I can bring that up, Michael. Can I um, see if I can bring those two little puppies up? Uh, I don't know possible. if that's... If anyone can, you can. If, <laughs> if anyone can, I can. Let's have a look. Uh, there you go. Oh, no, nah, <laughs> can't do it. <laughs> it's a background. It's a layout. Uh, what about if I go that? Nah, I'm not going to do it. Okay. No, that's all right. Get a little bit of a feel. But, yeah, the um, so, Michael, when someone's looking out there at the moment, or as a buyer, how can you – do you want to buy the, the unit that has underperformed over the last 10 years because it's got, it's got space to move up? Or do you want to buy the house that's overperformed in the last 10 years – because it may level out and may correct a little bit more aggressively downwards. What would you do? Good question. Am I looking as an investor or as an owner-occupier? Because that'll affect my answer. Let's do both. Okay. So if I'm an investor, the biggest thing I'm looking for at the moment, and this is me, like some people might be looking for different, but I'm looking for how well, because the bottom line is, as we can see, 90%, 140%. Properties on the northern beaches still perform very, very strongly, but I'm looking for how can I maximise my cash flow so that I can service this loan and hold on to the property and hopefully be able to buy more into the future. So for an investor, that's what I'm looking for. And when you're looking at that, I think some of your more entry-level properties, some of the ones with scratches on them as per se, that maybe haven't performed as strongly but are going to provide a better yield, might be a better way to at least get into the market as opposed to paying a premium for that uniform. It's pretty interesting. Like I, I've always been a bit of a fan of the old Strata unit, um, mm. and um, and I like I, I think houses for an investor for for me personally were a little bit harder to maintain, um, mm. but I've got to tell you, I'm not sad about. When I look at units in my particular area, um, and, and again, I think someone's one of the guys just brought up Surrey Hills. We're going to have a look at that in a second. But when I let when I bring up those houses, yeah, I've got another way to bring up that graph because I love a graph. Um, <laughs> all right, so that's that's units, right? Yeah. So that's units in DY. DY so is a good representation. Yeah, ninety percent up in ten years. And to give you an idea, DY has got more as much volume as Sydney, more volume than Sydney CBD. It's a big suburb. But see this number down here that oh, you can't probably see it, the little green one down there. That's that 90% we're talking about over a 10-year period. Hmm. And then 146%, sorry, Michael, was, was what houses have done in the area over a 10-year period. So it's funny, it just shows you go, well, obviously houses perform more strongly capital growth wise and take out what's happening in this market now. But over the next 10 years, does that mean houses can continue to outperform units? You might be thinking that as well. But then on the flip side, your holding costs for a house in terms of your land values are so high at the moment, the amount of land tax an investor will be paying, this is on the investor side at the moment, um, an investor will be paying on a house for maybe that's, might offset that's, that. You've, you've touched a big topic. Mm. Yep. And it's the Can hidden you say topic. that again? 
well, houses have outperformed units for capital growth, but yep. how much you're going to be paying on land tax when you actually go down and crunch the numbers, you might be surprised on how much it actually offsets your capital growth. Money in your pocket at the end of the day after 10 years, if you were to sell, how much you would actually end up with. Yep. So for anyone um, that's watching that doesn't understand land tax, if you're not living in the property, um, the government's going to uh, put their hand out for a thing called land tax. They'll put their hand out once you own a certain amount of property, i.e. they're going to give you a house up your sleeve or they're going to give you two units up your sleeve, maybe three units. Um, then once you get over the threshold, which I think is about 900, circa 900 grand this year, once yeah, you get over that threshold, then they're going to charge you a land tax. Now, when we're talking about spotting a bargain uh, in this particular market, I think you've just, you've just um, uncovered a, a, a ripper of, of a cost that's going to carry with you for the next 10 or 20 years of that property ownership or even 30 years, depending on how much you own it. It's a rolling three-year average, the way they, they, they do land tax. So the way they assess land tax is not the value of the property um, per se, it's the value of general assessment. So it's a more of a conservative approach. Uh, with a house that's in the Northern Beaches, which may be worth $2 million, the value of general general value of general may have an assessment value you can google the assessment value by the way uh, and it comes up and just step into it of about 1.1 million for a house whereas a two million dollar unit for instance will only attract about a four or five hundred thousand dollar um, VGA value of general assessment um, so what you've got to watch out and why we say this is if you're an investor, you could be loaded with 20, 30, 40,000 worth of land tax every single year. Now, if you're getting, if you're paying 30 grand of land tax every year because you own two factories or two houses or whatever it may be, that's, a, that's almost half a million dollars that's going to compound to. And these numbers are really going to change over the next because that assessments, those new assessments are coming out in December and those are really radically going to change on that rolling three-year average. This is probably going to be the highest impact rolling three-year average we have ever seen for uh, land tax. It could be the greatest hike we've ever seen in Australia for land tax. Even though property's gone correct a little bit now, it's a rolling three-year average. Good one to watch. Yeah, I think you said it brilliantly. And for someone as an investor, let's say looking at a house that entry level homes maybe were two, 2.1 million at the peak of the market, they're going, this is great. Now I can pick up an entry level house right at the bottom end of the market for maybe 1.6 million. And you're going, this is great. There's a lot of potential capital growth, as we can see with it. Over the course of 10, 15 years, if you're having $500,000 of your capital growth eaten into by land tax, plus your holding costs and so forth it greatly offsets that capital gain. Um, and it's something you just got to be aware of because even if you're making a ton of money on the other end, when you're going to sell, you might be cash flow poor during the meantime, and it could really chop into those profit margins. So when people read the headline today, how to spot a bargain, I automatically, everyone automatically registered property purchase price. 
months. Yeah. You looked at cash flow. You looked at that, and you looked at cash flow as well. And I think that's a golden, golden goose for a lot of people out there today to keep an eye out on for. Luke Maroney said, "Did you hear about um, hear about Queensland land tax backflip? No. Um, we, we might bring Luke on to have a chat about that um, next couple of days. And yeah. Lisa says that you've got a new look, Michael. I do. <laughs> I do. It's a blokey. You know, oh. you know. I've gone back. Oh, to look at that. Yeah, I've lost about five years. Oh. Wow, you look fresh. You look fresh. I look young again. I decided I wanted to age five years backwards. So, <laughs> wow, wow. Um, all right. So, um, but yeah, what, what you just wrong, before we close up, uh, can we summarize a couple up um, the show? How to spot a bargain and how to spot a um, top performing property. We got the bargain bit, but what about the top performing bit, Michael? You top performing. We're talking off, off air about that. Yeah, you pretty much pick up what we're saying there in terms of the bargain, and you flip it around the other way, which is it's and like you said, it's not just purchase price. It's the property you're buying. It's your outgoing. It's, it's your cash flow. It's your future capital growth potential. There's so many other things behind it as well. So when you're buying top performing property, yes, you might be paying a higher price for it. But there's so many underlying factors that could make it a great investment for you over the next 10, 15 years. Um, once you went to a more on the investment side, but I, I still think something that's just straightforward has good cash flow, historically has performed well. You can't go wrong with, and obviously, in the example of a strata unit, low land tax. And. When what we have noticed is sometimes there's a unicorn sale. We had one for twenty one point five million that we sold in Manly. Mm. Lisa and you did a great job selling it. Um, that had was just such a all round tick 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 all the boxes that when it came to selling in in a mar in a, in a in a market that's not a seller's market but a buyer's market it still did awesomely well how mm. does that work because it's a unicorn there's only one of it and so price wise they're always going to outperform whatever you might think the market should do they always tend to outperform it but going back to i guess in terms of spotting a bargain top performing property for that investor that's a great investment he's land banked on that property he's not too worried about it it's not a great yield but he's okay with that because long term he knows he's going to make great money on it because once he goes to sell it again it's always going to be that unicorn or he may never sell it however for someone let's say that maybe 20 let's say you're at that level and 21 million dollars is your complete nest egg and you bought that one property and that was your only investment that probably be a shocking investment for you horrible cash flow you tied up all in one asset um and there's not really too much you can do with it so it's funny just one amazing property for someone is not necessarily an amazing property for someone else and i think it's so much of it comes back to your personal situation as well and and mm. that's something that we're with these sales again I, you know I, i'll repeat myself we are seeing stuff in the market that has not eroded in in price and on yes. that capital growth and that's um uh 
you know what scarcity i love the word scarcity because when there's scarcity in the market or low supply of something that's always going to contribute it to doing a little bit better when there's an oversupply or a glut of a particular type of property that's always going to really really hammer and erode that pricing on the property so i think if if you want to look for something that's a bit of a uniform unicorn scarcity is the key to um finding something out there with the property at the moment simple supply and demand very simple very simple Lisa <laughs> all right well I <clears throat> that's a show and um, I think I think we've brought in a couple of things now watch that land tax guys and girls watch that land tax because it could bite you on the bum um, and it could affect your decision making when you're buying your next property particularly if it's being an investment property um, mm. I think that um, have a look out for land tax and have a look at that 10 year rolling average on that property that you're going to be buying be it a unit or a house on the suburb <clears throat> you can always click it over to us we'll have a look at it hey um someone asked me about surrey hills um can i just bring that up before we go of course because i don't want i don't i don't want to let that person down um okay what do you reckon surrey hills has done well sorry units are... or houses well wouldn't it be predominantly houses in surrey hills i'm not sure i should know yeah. units both yeah. Um, okay. I'm gonna this, guess. This one, you're gonna be surprised. Yep. Do you want me to guess first? <laughs> yeah. Um, ten years. Let's go. Hundred and fifteen percent. Da da da. Ten years has done. Struggling to read. If you can tell the viewers out there, Mark. Eighty-eight percent. 88%. There we go. Win for DY. Surrey Hills, I thought, I thought <laughs> would have been a really good performer. Hey, if shot. anyone doesn't know these percentages that we're talking about, if you hit 100%, you've doubled. Mm -hmm. If you hit 80%, you know, it's 88% from the initial money that you put in. If you're hitting 200%, you've doubled and doubled again. Um, so I think it's believe it or not and i want to go out on this one mm. believe it or not um property values double every 10 years what does that mean a hundred percent every 10 years what does that mean surrey hills dy units are pretty much on track mm. what does that mean DY houses are not on track. They've exploded. They've had too much capital growth. They've done 140% capital growth. So when you're looking at your suburbs, have a look if they've exploded and overloaded or have a look if they've underperformed and have a good think about that when you're buying it. Awesome. Thanks, guys. See you, guys. <laughs>